the melee with laundry might now be my favorite fight. With a little retooling and a new look, Justin made some CR2 monsters seem threatening to a higher level party. And we had a blast ripping out some linen puns. It's another great example of how these comedic moments help relieve the tension of the setting. It makes the fact that we now have three dead bodies hurt that much more. But that may have to wait until morning, because hopefully we finally get some shut-eye in episode 105 of What the Fumble, Sleepy Sermon. Man, I've been waiting all week to hang out with you guys. Oh, God. Oh. David. <laughs> Jesus. David. Who starts episodes with hanging puns? What's your swinging? neck's pun? Oh. It's like, like, like neck, not neck. Yeah, okay. Well, to be fair, one of them was strung up by his feet, not his neck. So yeah. that only works for half of them. Yeah. Wait, to be fair. <laughs> oh my gosh why did i do this <laughs> hey. why would you string up somebody by their feet episode 105 only one minute and five seconds long <laughs> <laughs> it's got me in knots <laughs> stop it all of you stop it listen if you can do bear and apple puns we can do this <laughs> justin's just is not that... ready that's why it's like hey let me come up with one first <laughs> wait true. is that the next noble that we're gonna fight bear and apple puns oh lord <laughs> Well, yeah, but there's also a difference. Bear and apple puns are a lot more innocent than joking about hanging someone. I just can't wait for him to make a voice for a fat dumpling little baron with like apple cheeks. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait. Baron applesauce. I'm Baron apple puns. <laughs> yeah. I am Baron Meatus's twin brother. Has <laughs> a different accent. Remember those like two weeks where all we did was make cereal puns? Even like in our oh, chats yeah. and stuff online. Oh, it was yeah. just two full weeks of horrible cereal puns. Not a good one amidst them. Yeah. Yep. Frank, the serial serial killer, I know you're dead, but man, you are missed. <laughs> hey, domain the dread, man. Yep. You could be back. Uh, so I know you guys must have <laughs> some theories about what's going on. Yeah. I want to. I think I want to start there before we jump back into it. What's going on, Casimir? Question mark. Greta? Question mark. You found Thane undead. Yeah, and we found his body. So, like, maybe wait. Since we found Greta's like decayed body, are we gonna find her walking around all zombified now? She might be having Tio back. Oh God, damn it. Carl dead and hanging from the rafters, Joseph dead and hanging in the linen closet, Elise dead and on her bedroom floor. Well, we need to check for strangulation. Yeah, I mean, I could guess. be unrelated. But like he one was strung up by their neck, one was strung up by their feet. Why was one just left in like on the floor? And like why wouldn't you try to make it look like Joseph hung himself if you're trying to, like, spook it again? I mean, the only thing I can think of would be to make sure the body doesn't fall out of the closet. But then again, Carl is literally hanging in a main stairwell, so it can't be about hiding the body either. So, actually, I had a very morbid 
thought crossed my mind. We've run into everybody here who, as far as we know, are not here. They were fired when Van Richten was very young. Um, and my theory being that these are all separate entities that just inherited the memories of these people. What's to say there isn't one of Van Richten's father running around doing all of this? He might be here in two days. He might be here in two days. Oh, I suppose the timeline doesn't match up. Yeah, yeah. Plus, is is that like assuming that if it, it inherited Venerton's father's memories, Venerton's father was just like, you know what? I need new staff. I pay these people way too much. You're f- you're getting flung from the third floor staircase. You're getting strung up by your ankles, and well, we'll just like face plant you into the floor. I mean, healer turned oathbreaker. I I don't want that to make sense, so I'm going to refuse it. <laughs> But but I don't think it would make sense because it doesn't make sense in the timeline either. But the bestial form of Van Richten? Question mark. Yeah, but I mean I, everything it like probably would have been more rip and tear as well. Yeah, I mean yeah. apart from the zombies in the shed and the linen trying to put us to sleep, haha. Um, like everything about this looks like a basic freaking mundane crime of passion. Yeah, dudes in love with girl. Dude goes and asks her out. She's like, nah, fuck that shit. Also, my dad thinks that you stole the ledgers that he was all mad about. And he's like, oh, baby, but I love you so much. I'm going to cut your throat. Oh, no, your dad found out. I'm going to strangle him with my strong, meaty hands. (laughs) Yeah, but we actually don't know how Elise died as of yet. I do now. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. Colin's head cannon is truly the the narrative here. It's the only important cannon, let's be real. (laughs) There's just dramatization at the bottom. It's it's Tess playing all three roles. (laughs) And Dumbledore quietly said, (laughs) Did you throw your name into the goblet, Harry? (laughs) Did you throw it? Yeah. Should we jump back in then and answer that question? You guys want to play some D&D? If we jump back in, the time starts. So let's keep talking. 840 (laughs) and ticking. We have basically nine minutes to investigate this before we go back out. So that way I can cast Tiny Hut and we can get a nine to five in. All right. Oh, yeah. You guys still haven't quite figured out the resting part for tonight. But right now, we're all standing in the threshold of Elise's bedroom door. Elise's body still on the floor. What to do? Sounds like we're starting with uh, medicine checks. See what's going on? Yeah, Tess is like dashing to her on her knees and on her knees beside her. What happened? Is she still warm? Is there any chance to save her? (laughs) Twelve. 12 isn't enough to get as many details as you did about Joseph last week, but still enough to determine she is indeed dead. It's been a little bit, and it a hundred percent looks like strangulation. God damn it. Same strangulation marks that are on Joseph. Very similar. Yeah, those are they're easy to find because you already know what you're looking for, kind of, you know? So, yep, you confirm. Yeah. It's not really an investigation if you already know what happened. Well, I mean, we're making an assumption here, but just to be explicit about it, when it comes to the strangulation, does it look like human hands or does it look like it could be something else? 
I think we made that check last week. We had checked because you thought maybe Joseph had been strangled by the fitted sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big yeah, meaty yeah. hands. Maybe the pillowcase made a... It's Rafa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets really bored in that tent. He set this all up for us. It was Rafa in the linen closet with the fitted sheet. And then <gasps> Rafa from way back. And yeah, the pillowcase didn't make one last desperate attempt to kill Joseph. It was absolutely strangulation, and this is also strangulation. Definitely something with hands. I mean, I don't think you can tell if it was, you know, human or half-elf or whatever, but definitely hands. There's finger marks. Well, let's CSI this. Um, and can they tell. always look under the dirt, under the fingernails to see if there was a struggle. So... Was there, is there any kind of sign of like Elise trying to defend herself? Give me investigation. Troubadour puts his handprint by the, the, uh, print on the neck just to clear himself up with his tiny <laughs> no man's. Uh, that's a 14. Okay. Pretty decent, especially since you're looking for such a specific thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you find a couple little, bits of fabric under her fingernails maybe tried to claw at the arms around her neck or something appears as if whoever did it was wearing clothes so do you want me to bring carl's body yeah we we saw no signs of a struggle with carl but that's to like to have him someone strung him up yeah we didn't check for if he'd attacked someone yeah defensive marks you want to go back down, check out the hanging body of Carl? We don't have the time. Well, all right. Let's note this fabric on the way back when we walk by our pinata. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Who knows? Well, maybe it will. And maybe at dawn, things change. It's that sunlight, I'm thinking. Maybe while we're here, someone is untying the body now, raising it as a zombie, and it's going to attack us as soon as we hit the parlor. Roll initiative. God damn it, Justin. No, I'm just kidding. Damn it, I rolled a 19. <laughs> <sighs> the one time I might have been right this entire freaking domain. Um, 8.45, what to do? Well, why don't God. we take these? <laughs> Did Grena have a room? She slept in this room with Elise in Elise's bed. Uh, but you've been told that since the Van Richtens have been on vacation, Greta has enjoyed sleeping in Maria's bedroom. But normally when everyone's home, she sleeps here in Elisa's room. Greta's. I wonder if if Greta has a doll and that has secrets or whatever. I know we had that original doll and all that stuff, but maybe if we can get them kind of like how Thane got to its body, and then it kind of pitter-pattered away because there was some kind of resolution. I'm wondering if there's Greta's doll that may exist in this room was to come in contact with the original one, if that would trigger something. I mean, hmm. it's worth a shot. Quick, quick yeah, check, we're, we're quick here. look. Um, but we've got, like, how many minutes we before like we four need... four minutes. Troubadour quickly gets in Elise's bed, asks the doll... Hey, got any secrets for me yet? Does oh, all the- gives no response. You guys have four minutes till what? Until, because it takes me ten plus one minute 
to ritual cast tiny hut okay we know that if we want to rest for the proper eight hours without taking exhaustion we need to rest from nine to five which would still also give us some time to still manipulate the house and traverse the house without exhaustion but still be under nightfall under the 6 a.m sun oh okay yeah yeah the sun starts to rise at 5 30 yeah and it was fully light at six o'clock this Correct. morning so bedtime uh, is nine. okay. So bedtime is nine o'clock sharp, which is why Slash is so. Come on, guys! Like, thanks, right. Dad. Well, all right. Well, yeah. If uh, Elise's old room is on the way down, I would still like the rest in the chapel. It seemed to have the best flow of everything in the house. The right feng shui. Yeah, and it's <laughs> nice and circular for your huddy house time. What Look, use does a god have for an empty church? That's it. Let's uh, get some non-animated linens on the way, too. Really make it comfy. So the plan is to, at 8.45, start heading back downstairs towards the chapel, but you want to stop by Maria's room? Well, I mean, technically, we only need Slash to start casting at 8.50 or whatever. That's kind of fair as well. Mm. So if we have... Perhaps either myself and Lustra or something like that doing Overwatch, keeping keeping like watch on or Van Richten and myself or whatever, keeping watch on Slash as he casts. We could do like a last minute check of the girl's room to see if your uh, doll theory pans out. Mm hmm. Also, yeah. quickly check Carl for his fingernails to see if he was actually like attacking people and that. So split the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah but we're not that split. You're like, yeah, fair just enough. A room over, room over, a couple yeah. rooms over, and then like so. Slash wants to go downstairs and start casting Tiny Hut in the chapel. Yeah, and is anyone going with you? I, I would presume somebody's coming with me. I'll come with you. They check the girls' room. While we're going down, I'll just take a quick little walk up the wall, look at Carl's hands to see if it's the same uh, gray dress that uh, yeah. Elise I like was it. wearing. I like it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, too, Tiny Hut, if everyone who's not Slash wants to benefit, yous have to be there when he casts Ooh, the hut. Ooh, what's this? Let me... Let me. When the hut's... Routes into existence, the people in it are the people it affects. And if you're not in it at that point in time, I think you're shit out of luck. Pretty sure. Ten-foot radius of mobile dome of four springs into existence around and above you and remains stationary for the duration. The spell ends if you leave the area. Nine creatures of medium size or smaller can fit inside the dome with you. The spell fails if its area includes a larger creature or more than nine creatures. Creatures and objects within the dome, when you cast the spell, can move through it freely. Mm-hmm. All when other you cast creatures. The spell. Yeah. There's the magic words. When you cast the spell. So if you can split, but the hut's only going to affect Slash if you do that. Okay, so we have to be fast. That's... That's about it, hey, right? More eyes in the room, and then it takes us next to no time to just go climb the wall, look at his fingernails, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Like, so. if we're rushing, it's a higher DC, but it's still doable. It's fine. I still have advantage on medicine if I'm if we're looking at, like, any medicine stuff. I reiterate, but. I'll cut off his hands. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that and, and let's say we're a minute or two late. Okay, we lose a minute or two on the other end. 
right? Nine o'clock isn't like this hard limit. If we're a minute or two late, big whoop. Walking and talking, you and I heading to the, um, to, we're all going to the girls' bedroom. Girls' bedroom, girls yeah, bedroom yeah. first, and then we'll head down the stairs and check Carl's body on the way to the chapel, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Correct them all. All right, roll the room. Let's go. Let me just draw a few Taroka cards. Oh, no, he's playing 52 pickup. <laughs> All right, everyone just run into the room and mash the interact button. That's how, that's how Skyrim works. Just take everything. Where did all this cheese come from? <laughs> to the girl's bedroom. You quickly open the door in hopes of confirming Looster's theory. Looster, you think what again? That if we can find a doll in here and we have it interact with the original doll, kind of like we did with Thane, the spirit, and then Thane's actual body, that something disappears, something absolves, something, something, something resolves. Yeah. Something happens. Dang it, I knew we should have taken that bag of bones. <laughs> Inside, you find a bed with a canopy. It's fringed with fine lace, feminine patterns on wallpaper in the room. Definitely looks like a young girl's bedroom in here. There's a maple wardrobe and dressing table that stand to one side of the bed. There's a delicate little writing table and two chairs standing on the other side of the bed. The most impressive feature of this room, though, is an enormous dollhouse. It's big. The back of the house has no wall, allowing a clear view of... 12 elaborately detailed rooms. Inside the tiny chambers are over a dozen beautifully crafted dolls. Some of them look like they're knitting, cooking, resting in front of a fireplace, performing a variety of tasks. A half dozen larger dolls are propped at the base of the house even more of them just kind of propped outside the big doll house and the first thing you really notice when you walk into the room is that the expression on all the dolls are expressions of fear and panic that's creepy god damn it it's better than hunger. Uh, this isn't something we can rush through. Just this is. I hate this. Um, I. How do we? How do we speed around this room? Just get Troubadour to just jam the doll into every room of the house. Uh, I will totally do that. Yeah. I'm already <laughs> of the urge to go. Now kiss. Now kiss. Now kiss. Yeah, you Spill do the, the tea. Where did, was the tea party? <laughs> Eighteen times. You do that a few times in the doll you found. Says nothing. Does she have a friend? Let's take all of the dolls. Are the eyes looking anywhere specific? Of the dolls that look terrified. Okay. Mm. Everything in this domain is normal and trying to fuck with us. Is it this room just trying to fuck with us and waste our time? Possibly. Probably like the door, the floor. Room exactly below us. Well, the room that we found the original doll in, put the room in, put the doll in that room and ask a question. That was Erasmus's bedroom. Yeah. Is it, a, is the dollhouse a replica of Richtenhouse or just a, a big fancy dollhouse? Just a big old fancy dollhouse. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's a bit of a red herring. Um, 
I think we found the important doll. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out how we can extract it for information. But take a mental snapshot of this room. We just simply don't have the time to investigate longer as much as we want to. I'm going to quote my favorite littlest hobo, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> maybe tomorrow. So with the clock ticking and time not on your side, you head out of this room, head out of this area, and go back towards the stairs where you kind of want to investigate Carl's body a little bit more before heading down to the chapel. Is that right? Yeah. Who wants to make that roll? I will. If Tess is cool with it, I will grab her by the underarms and carry her as I walk up the wall so she can get a good look. Okay, so quick question. Um, are we looking for signs of him being hurt on his arms or are we looking for signs of fabric being ripped? Because that might be an investigation that might be a better Salash thing. Mm. It's definitely going to be investigation. Drop test. <laughs> Grab Salash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a heavy guy. One hand Salash, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so investigation. Yep. Okay. Do you require guidance? Um, I didn't say that. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, I was working on my Venerating impression. 25. Apparently not. The kind of overcoat that Carl is wearing has scratch marks on the forearms. More and more confirmation. God, we're so smart. I love being so smart. Does his hand smell like Elise or Joseph? Are you are you sniffing I'm his smell in his hands? <laughs> uh perception. <laughs> Ooh. Uh twenty-two. Oh my god. Yeah, probably a little leftover perfume. I don't think Joseph wore any uh perfumes or colognes. But yeah, there's a bit of a whiff of maybe a feminine perfume that was on the neck. Hey, I'm the only one with great smell in here. <laughs> no, you're not. Not anymore. He drank your blood and took your powers. <laughs> no! I'll bite your nose. Uh, <laughs> all right, fantastic. Good job, team. I'll start applauding. Oh, no, Slash! <laughs> <laughs> no, Chapel, let's go. Now we all clap, and suddenly everyone comes back to life. <laughs> They're all fairies. I appreciate that, Colin. <laughs> there you go. Get all I stole the fuck out of that joke from David, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, Troubadour goes and grabs some linens. He doesn't have a bedroll, I don't think so. And we've got a whole eagle costume on this party. We'll figure it out <laughs> for sure. So, hoofing it towards the chapel, then. Indeed. And you guys were nice and quick and didn't. Dilly dally too long, I'll say you get to the chapel right at 8.50. hey oh. 8.50 on the dot, you have to run through the dining room to get to the chapel. Look at the floor, look at the floor, look at the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try not to get completely overwhelmed by the ceiling this time. I have one bitch slap left in me, who wants it? <laughs> you make it to the chapel unharmed, nothing strange happens along the way. At 8.50, I assume Slash starts to cast a spell? Hell yeah. I'm going to cast Alarm at the entrance of the chapel. Okay. But still within the orb, yeah? Yeah. Oh. 
Uh, what? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Alarm. Yeah. It's a it's a twenty foot square. That's like, a minute casting time. Uh, I mean, it yes, it is one minute casting yeah, time. So no time. Well, it just means we can yeah, yeah. just lose yeah. a minute on the back end. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, yeah. fair. We go to bed at nine oh one. Oh okay. no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're up at five oh five. I'll give it to you. It's don't worry about eight forty five slash starts to cast slash's tiny hut. Thank you. And Lustra gets an alarm going on what is the only entrance into this chapel. I assume you kind of put it in that long hallway that leads mm-hmm. to the chapel. Mm-hmm. Now what? What was Slash's little hut look like? Tell us about this. I mean, yeah. it takes you until uh, 9 o'clock, or I guess 9.01 technically, yeah. to get it cast if you're doing it as a ritual. And for anyone listening along uh, who doesn't realize it, a ritual spell basically means that if you take 10 minutes, if you take an additional chunk of time casting it, you don't lose the spell slot. So it's kind of a free cast. The problem is it takes you a while to yeah, cast. exactly. Not exactly something you can cast in combat. A <laughs> hundred rounds. We'll hold them off until then. Don't worry. That's <laughs> a big thing. But for you, being a bard and having a specific spell slot uh, list, too, you have to take that spell. Yeah, exactly. So, so it does suck up one of your known spells. It does, but it's excruciatingly useful for situations like this. Um so the way I imagine Slash casts Tiny Hut, he sort of, you know, will grab different pieces of parchment paper and and place it in a circle in the sphere radius of, of the Tiny Hut. And he'll sit down in the center, kneel as if in prayer, which seems very uncharacteristic for him. Um, you know, muttering some things in Infernal and Draconic, and for those of you who might know, I'm a, a different language as well. Um, if anybody knows Primordial, then he knows a little bit of that as well. Troubadour knows Primordial. There you go. Um, and as that happens, the pages themselves almost like stand up on end and they align perfectly, and the dome slowly forms and is made over the ten minutes as it reaches its capstone. The interior of the of Slash's tiny hut isn't just a drab sphere. It it starts to apparate different kind of images of tapestries, of books, of maps, of other kinds of things you would find in a library. Every single tome is kind of labeled, you know, almost like different memories of Slash. You know, you see like memories of you know, Chult or, or the, the philosophies of Dendar, the, 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 you know, innocuous knowledge of acrobatics or the way to speak properly according to, um, uh, according to some random guy. According to Salash. <laughs> authored by Salash. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman's acting yep. teacher. All these books are written by Salash. Basic. But, but in truth, they, they legitimately kind of are. This is, for lack of a better word, almost like a mind palace. For so Slash. cool. What's well, his happy uh, place? It is. Um, but what's more jarring is as this tiny hut continues to apparate and this library feel comes up, the, the the flames of candles illuminating it dimly. You know, the atmosphere inside becoming more pleasant and and amenable to everyone inside against the the dangers that we were experiencing outside. Um, you can see Galoss, you know, he shadows across his face, across his neck, off his arm, 
down his body. And outside of the snakeskin sandals, Galas tapers onto the floor, tapers up the wall, and suddenly becomes a tapestry unto himself. And you can see him sort of, you know, almost stretching, you know, out wide, as if he's, you know, got an opportunity to move around a little bit more. Slash looks up at the at the gloss on the wall. Oh, well, this is, I suppose, a bigger playground for you then. Uh, or, or sorry, what should I say? Uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> Tess yells, all right, everyone, Slash special number three. Is that an illusion or is that him? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is truly nothing. It is... I'm just, and Slash will sort of, you know, pat himself down. He'll look underneath his, underneath his floofy white shirt. He'll check, you know, up one sleeve, up another, roll up a pant leg. Um, uh, and sort of, you know, shiver a little bit. It's strange. I, I, and he looks up at the tapestry that he recognizes as Galas, as the as it forms from a tapestry into the very same book that he had pulled from the shelves so many years ago. I think this is the first time in many a moon that I haven't felt his presence on me, although I certainly still feel Galas. How are you doing, my old friend? As he calls it to Galas. Oh, me, uh, I'm sorry, I was just, uh, admiring all these books. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> doing good. Doing good. Mm. Look, don't get your hopes up, Slash. Just because this spell's a little weird don't mean we ain't still one. No, I, I, I feel that. Just, it's... <laughs> Uh, you must forgive me. I, I'm used to the proximity, if nothing else. He sort of, you know, shakes his head a moment, thinks something to himself, and 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 goes off to foray into the books that are frankly his mind. Um, and he grabs a book, he opens it up, he starts reading through it, and puts another one back and pulls out another one, and he'll look over to to Tess. Um, Tess, just out of curiosity, because a lot of these are very private. Can you read this? And he'll hand you a book. Tess is like looking up with like a weird look on her face. She like looks down at the book. Can can I read it? Not really. There's. I think it's pretty easy for Tess to tell that this whole thing is very illusory. There's no actual book. Okay. And even the walls themselves, like while you absolutely see like these kind of almost transparent books and images, these tapestries, you can still see out of the area of this spell. So it's sort of like the idea of a book. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. I'm kind of imagining like like a stained glass church wall where you you can see the design of something, but you can still see out the stained glass window. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Like how they say, if you're, if you try to read something in a dream, you won't actually be able to read it. You'll like see that there are words, but you will not have the ability to 
mm-hmm. comprehend the mm-hmm. words. It's kind of like how Mid Journey does does text. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> perfect <laughs> analogy i think yeah yeah for those of you who don't know mid journey is a an image ai but for whatever reason every time it tries to make a sign or something it's just a bunch of gibberish <laughs> like it's clearly the text but it doesn't mean anything like that's kind of how i imagine this so yeah there is some substance to the book but no it's not not an actual book Tess is gonna lie and say yes uh- <laughs> You can read that. What can't everyone? Deception. Five. <laughs> I think even with my lowest roll, I can determine that that's a lie. Um, Slash will sort of just shake his head again. Again, this seems all very new to me. I've never quite done something like this. Never mind have it operate quite the way I expected. I'm sorry. It's uh, It's... Uh, very different. Hey, we've all shown vulnerability here. Tess Kind is. of except you, so join the club. This is what it feels like to be vulnerable. Tess is, like, very stiff and, like, squinting at Salash. I think that's the first time I've ever heard you say that you're sorry and it didn't sound like you were trying to get something. This is... She, like, pinches herself. Is this... This domain is strange. This domain is very strange. What is it, Tess? Even creatures like me can have a happy place, surely. Everyone deserves to be happy, Slash. I just wish that we weren't in the antithesis of that for the past. I've lost count of lost track of time, except for apparently I'm very aware of it today. <laughs> <laughs> It's 9.05. God damn it, Justin! <laughs> <laughs> Even in the tiny hut, we don't escape. The there's like a cl- march of time. There's like a freaking Salvador Dali clock along one side. <laughs> this is the craziest book wigwam I've ever been in. <laughs> book wigwam? Oh my lord. Um, I just imagine it's just a, a book with, like, you know, the spine at the apex. It is just down and... That's oh, the tiny yeah, yeah, that's 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 cute. <laughs> just <laughs> one giant book. tented book. Yep, <laughs> yep just, just, that's all it is. <laughs> that's that's a great idea. That, that, that's how that. Looster sees it. <laughs> I don't I I don't know this fancy stuff. Yeah. It's a book wigwam. <laughs> no, Looster's like my head cannon. It's this. That's the only one that matters. Yeah. Well, Looster, you're really really selfish and dramatic. What all this book wigwam says is slash over and over and over again. <laughs> Just like a bunch of marquees. <laughs> it's like Times Square for slash. Oh, and that says meat is weak. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, there we go. Okay, back to normal. <laughs> um, You can see that slash is definitely almost not feeling himself. He's very uh confused. And I think this is the most genuine you've possibly ever seen him. Um. He'll look over, you know, at Lustra for a moment. Lustra, you remember many things about your quarry, your beasts, the things you track. When you recall those things, how do you recall them? I mean, it's kind of routine for me at this point. So it's kind of, okay, what do the tracks look like? That's the first clue. What's the fur? 
that's the second clue that might be on some branches. You know, droppings. Okay, what could be nearby? How old is it? How long have they been here? You know, where do they, what's their, you know, are they in the rut? Are they not in the rut? You know, what's the kind of behavior of the creature that I'm trying to track in the time of year? You know, so it's kind of a routine at this point in the clues that I get along the way. I see. So routine is something that is key to your memory then. Well, you do the same thing over and over and over. It kind of definitely makes the memory stronger. I see. You don't use mnemonics, perhaps? I don't know what that word means. (laughs) I think it's like a dessert with like chocolate coconut and then some custard and then some chocolate on top. Is it like like a picture with a caption on the bottom? (laughs) (laughs) Boo. Um, (laughs) Slash will explain. Um, No, like kind of like to remember a compass rose. You would have north, east, south, and west. To remember that order, you would say never eat shredded wheat as an example to know that it goes around in that order. Mm Mm-hmm. And do you have, like, a mnemonic for for how you remember these things? Or is it just something that apparates for you and suddenly you can place a word to it? It's more of a intuition rather than a mnemonic. I mean, even, you know, when I was just a, a wee hatchling, like, it's something that you're taught. It's drilled into. You learn with it upon instinct. So to have these tricks to remember it, it's kind of not needed because it's drilled into you that much that you don't need these. It seems almost like a shortcut to me. And and at least when it comes to me and when tracking and hunting, I don't have these shortcuts. I feel like the shortcuts takes away the value of what it is that I've learned. And having and I have these drilled into me to understand, not just to memorize. It seems like mnemonics are almost like a way to memorize and then eventually understand and i don't know that seems a bit backwards to me certainly certainly slash will turn to tess tess do you think that this kind of instinct these kind of intuitions is something that should come naturally honestly yes i I do not want to have words put in my mouth. Well, like what Lucera was saying, it was d- having his tactics drilled into him from such a young age, it, it becomes something beyond memory. It is something that you don't just remember in your mind. You remember it in your body, in your soul. It is something you remember in the very fabric of your being. If, if I asked Lustra to hunt us some game for breakfast, he would not... I mean, I cannot speak for you, but I doubt that you would have to think, all right, now what? Now what, are, what is the first step? He would go and he would do it because it just comes as naturally as breathing. I see. It's like trying to explain how do you smell. You just do it. I suppose you would have to be taught at some point, though. Maybe we take that for granted. Well, no, it's in- instinctual. Yeah, breathe in. Well, and I now mean, you got yes, smell, but... like it just happens. Well, what's the point, Salash? 
my point is, and he, again, you can sort of see his eyes wistfully looking across the books and tapestries, is that sometimes even the most innate of things that we have are not really innate until we put words to them. In fact, words are excruciatingly important. I think we've all come to learn, especially from me. I want to put words to everything. I want to put words to people. I want to put words to what I want, what you want, what Van Richten wants, what Galas wants, what we all want. But at the same time, there's also power in words. I asked about repetition, how you learn to hunt and track. There are words so powerful that creatures simply die from hearing them. There is power to words. But it's nothing if but a symbol for the actions that we seek. I've been very cryptic for a long time. I have spent a considerable amount of time studying and reviewing and summarizing and philosophizing, sometimes to the point of, of absolute insanity. But there is power in every single word we have. And if we don't have a word for it, there is no power to begin with. I would not say, like many people dislike the concept of, of needing help. I am certainly one of them. But who do you think needs more help than any of us? Even here in these domains of dread. If you wish to know my true thoughts on the subject, it would be gods themselves. Gods themselves in a chapel with nobody to pray for them. They still require their words, a symbol of their action and devotion to have any kind of power or worship. I would never wish to sully my good name by descending to godhood. <laughs> but if there's one thing, Tess, that you have certainly taught me, is that I don't know that I have the strength of humanity to not go that route. I am positive that you don't mean that you're trying to avoid accidentally becoming a god, but that's kind of what I got from that. One does not accidentally become a god, certainly not. But much like any avatar or other powerful creature, it is often done out of myth, out of legend, out of some kind of empowerment that they offer. I've inspired many of you before, helped you with actions, with simply... Not but a word, as it were. I continuously have aired my frustrations that the gods themselves are granting you powers when not at all, it is within ourselves. This is truly what I'm after. If I must be brutally honest, I simply don't know how to harness that within myself. I almost feel like I need to hear the words from everyone else around me to inspire me as much as I can. And in turn, I reflect that upon you. You need faith. Faith is such a disgusting word. It's, it's... Hope? Would you prefer hope? Easy slash sort of wishing and washing about... Do you want friends? 
This is a word that I'm familiar with the definition, but I'm unfamiliar with the power behind it, if you want to suggest such a thing. Well, you're here, aren't you? Is that enough for friendship? Silash, let me put this in a way that I think our dynamic will help you understand. If I had wanted you dead, you would have been dead on the mercy. I care about keeping you alive. I care about keeping everyone here alive. And I certainly cared about keeping Lenara alive. We all had each other's backs. Troubadour has joined us, and he, in these 18.75 hours of of travel, has proven himself time and again. But you saw him amidst those zombies. If he wanted to leave us, he could. He can fend for himself. We have so much power together because we care about making sure that we can do the best that we can for each other. I asked Van Richten what helped him become a leader of so many people. And he felt that he didn't become that just because he's in, he was the one who survived. He He told me that when Simon and Lamin and he traveled together, they made up for all of each other's shortcomings. Lamin and Simon would have died many times if he had not healed them. And the same can be said for any permutation of that group. And if that is not camaraderie, if that is not friendship, if that is not what we have right now, then I don't... I don't want to believe that you are only using us, because I am not only using you. And you're more than your words. I mean, while you and I don't exactly talk, and I'm not exactly the very talkative type, I mean, I judged all of you on your actions, not your words, because I believe action to be more important than words. Words are put things into a particular box, but actions speak louder than that. I don't know you very well, but... You've taken the time to heal me. You've taken the time to save me from the brink of death. That action can't be encapsulated into words. You've taken the time to bolster us with your words, and there's an action involved with that. And that action has more weight than anything else that you could provide. At least that's how I look at things. And in trade for that, there is a trust there, a camaraderie there a friendship there because the way I see it, a friendship is based on a mutual sense of, you know, trading what each other has and you both become better for it. You have something you're lacking or that you're getting from us. We have something we're lacking that we're getting from you. And it's mutually beneficial as I'm pretty sure you and Galas understand very well. And you haven't taken the time to slit our throats or, hang us with animated linens. So I'm sure we can trust you. And the fact that we have this continual self-preservation goes to show that that's going to be, and because it's become routine is instinctual. And much like how I don't take the time to think about how I hunt, you don't take the time to think to save all of us. 
that we've been around long enough with each other that it is now instinctual. And those actions is what makes you. And that's what makes us comrades, friends, dare I say it, Venari. That's the first time since he lost his madness. Slash will nod. A sigh of relief comes out. It seems that I'm... And you see almost a genuine grin come across his face. If I'm a friend, if I am trusted, and he'll look over to Galoss, you see? Will you vouch for him? Can you? It's a hard no from me. I see <laughs> your actions. I don't see Galoss as man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. It's, a, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> like, nah, man. <laughs> Slash. The image of Gloss turns into a pouty face. <laughs> Slash sort of, again, you know, his head bounces from left to right as he thinks about it. I know that we are bound to figure out this fractioning to finding out how to retrieve Merlin, how to heal Van Richten. My actions have spoken for themselves at this point. If we wish for Galoss's actions to speak for themselves, might I suggest then, as friends, we consider Valachan as opposed to Neverchar Springs? <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> that was Colin. If it is truly an unknown, and if actions speak louder than words, then this would be an opportunity for him to prove his mettle. What's Troubadour doing throughout this hour of uh, deep conversation? I was going to say, sweet. So now do Troubadour and Van Richten get like 25 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I will I will streamline it since uh, yeah, he'd just say a couple of things to Van Richten. Uh, this is... Really, only the third night the Troubadour, or the third rest the Troubadours had with you guys. The first two he spent in the cell by himself. So he's still doing the more solo thing. Uh, the cell was just, this is all I kind of can remember. Uh, so once you three started having your tete a tete, he's like, oh, this is my thing. Bye. Um, Troubadour, as soon as the shell went up, he started wandering around and looking at uh, the various holy symbols and little altars uh, around the spot. And somehow, he he just found the right spot to, to absentmindedly bunk down. He's like, this this is here. This is, this is what feels right. So he set up his little bed, um, took the whole five minutes to doff his armor, whereas he's got the armor where he can just take it all off. He, he, he did the ritual to take it off, uh, spend the time really caring about that. He laid down the armor, down the flail that he had originally, and he's like, God, I wish you could catch on fire. You'd be, you know, I'd still be using you. <laughs> Flavor. Uh, uh, but lastly, he, he took the shield, which has uh, his holy symbol, the emblem. It has the, this one has the symbol of uh, the circle on it and, and Ezra. And he has somehow inadvertently found himself triangulated 
since it is, I believe I described it as, uh, what was it, Frederick's uh, non-denominational or every denomination church, <laughs> uh, he has found himself triangulated, or at least in the center of, hopefully, an Ezra, a Muradin, and a... Would it be the uh, the the Dawn Lord or the Dawn Father? The Morning Lord. The Morning Lord. Lathander. Lathander. So so yeah, he's he's spent all of his time in the domains of dread. So yeah, it'd be the Morning Lord, Morden, which the dwarves had it. So if there is all three of those, he has basically parked himself right in the center of these, and he's just been sitting relaxing and uh if you heard me laugh in the background uh <laughs> fantastically when <laughs> slash is like nobody's praying to these gods and you see troubadour right in the center of all of these with his emblems <laughs> praying uh right behind him uh, <laughs> but yeah troubadour is sitting down and praying and he's not quite sure where his powers come from and he is sort of reaching out to all of these good gods he's, he's he's not quite not quite sure what makes him up hmm. yet Man, you guys were itching for some role playing. What do you <laughs> the, mean? The right. second that hut went up, it was just like, and we're talking for fifty minutes. Troubadour's <laughs> <laughs> in the background, just doing his thing. Um, but yeah, he's ready for bed now. And really, just to finish it off, um, he's if assuming we get a long rest, he's. If he has a moment to talk to Van Richten. I definitely can't assume you're getting a long rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's, you know, the, the, the thought of it, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's, it's strategizing spells because he still uh, wants to think about uh, daylight mm. and specifically sunlight being a thing. So he's asking Van Richten about uh, what access to spells he has, what powers he has. And sure. Jupiter uh, runs over what he if he gets the chance to pray in the morning when he's going to change and he's goes uh and then, then he just finishes it and maybe at the point where these guys might turn back he goes oh so if you have the this cleric equivalent power you definitely could have just took a gentle repose and raised dead and you could have had your friend back no problem at all <laughs> oh hey how's it going folks how was your little thing i think maybe we'll rewind a little bit and I think Van Richten would have stayed in the hut. And for anyone listening to the nice thing about the hut, now that it's up, anyone who was in the area when slash cast can now come and go from this little safety bubble, except slash. If slash leaves the bubble, bubble goes away. But for everyone else in the party, you can come and go. I think it's probably at the moment that slash finally said the word Valachin. And it's at that point that he kind of stood up and maybe wandered off to go meet Troubadour. And he finds you, Troubadour, kind of in that position near those icons. And sure enough, Morden, the Morning Lord, Ezra, are all represented there among many other good and neutrally aligned gods. And as you're kind of kneeling there praying, I think Van Richten will come up from behind you and maybe place a hand on your shoulder and just kind of acknowledges how weird it must be for Troubadour. Like you just said, like Troubadour in this form has only existed in this form for like days. Yeah. Like prior to this, he was just a normal 
gnome, and now he can suck blood like it's cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) My teeth are the straws. And how. But Van Richten comes up to you with this solemn look in his eyes, places a hand on your shoulder, and says, I know this must be a very trying time for you, Troubadour. The order of the circle. Now, every single one of them, as far as I know, is either a paladin or a cleric. There are no others in their ranks. Only those who follow the gods. Do you remember the tenets you swore? He sort of um, suddenly comes out of his prayer. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. As, as things get, as, as I get more time as myself, whatever I am, as I, unfortunately, uh, draw more sustenance and my mind sort of freshens up, I, I, I start to see and remember a bit more. I, I hear the tenants and the vows, and I remember my brothers beside me, and like he he starts saying a few of the tenants. He rifles what he he rem- he knows, and Adam unfortunately doesn't. I'm sure, but he rifles one of the few prayers, and then then a line gets said in dwarvish. And he says a line with a slightly different accent. But he, he he finishes, you know, a regular prayer or tenant of the circle. And and all of that he says without catching on to him saying it that way. Van Richten gives you this smile, this approving look. As I have never been good with Dwarvish, but... Whether you know what the words embedded in your mind mean or not, I am confident that they are deeply engraved into your soul and your heart, Troubadour, as I have only fought by your side for, why, it's not even been a week now, and already I have seen the power that the gods give you. I've seen your smite bite. (laughs) (laughs) And I assure you that while this lack of memory may leave you doubting yourself, I assure you, Troubadour, that whatever God grants you these powers, they would not still do so if you did not still have the same heart and soul as you once had. For whatever that's worth. The blood of the circle and a paladin runs through me. The best part is, monsters create monsters. But sometimes it's a monster for them. I'll make them regret what they've made. Try and keep people safe in the meantime. With all these conversations, we skip forward to, call it 1030. After all this talking, and as Troubadour 
says those last few words. So that same time that the entire chapel for just a brief moment becomes brightly illuminated by the crash of lightning off in the distance. The roar of thunder shakes the windows. Then just a few moments later, you hear pitter-pattering as it starts to rain in the Van Richten estate. A light rain breaks out outside. Van Richten looks down at Troubadour as I suppose we should go back and check on them if I'm not mistaken one of them should be rolling on the bagman right now <laughs> oh, oh no shit. no oh, apparently it's 10:30 at night oh yay who's, who's got, got bag of holding that's classically been slash um hang on here we go the percent roll the bagman uh 51 bagman is not inside the hut when Van Richten re-enters it. Not sure if Troubadour is following or not, but we avoid the bagman situation. I don't want to cut the hut conversation off short, though. If there is anything else you guys would like to say in there, I know you've been itching for some role-play moments. Yep. Um Slash, well, just to pick up where we left off briefly again, because I think that was an important moment after Van Richten left and came back. Slash will continue to to plead. If my actions and my words have been helpful, none of this would have been possible without Galas. I know Galas, for the most part, has been something of a large question mark and as he looks up you can see Galas kind of like become a question mark and then almost turn to an exclamation point and then sort of slither away (laughs) (laughs) i'm so much punctuation (laughs) going to valachan would give not just you but me an opportunity to fully explore the depths of of what Galas is and quite frankly the depths of our own powers if he is anything like what he has done for me, it is not unlikely that we couldn't do the same for many of you. And if we are going to be in the domains of dread, I think every shred of help is needed. But I am also not so arrogant, and then he'll look over to Tess, at least not anymore, <laughs> to presume that I can make that decision myself. I just wanted to make sure that it was an option. One that is properly explained and properly given its due benefit. Van Richten plops himself back down inside the tiny hut. And as far as his opinion on the matter goes, he says, Honestly, at this point, I think it's as good of an idea as anything else. I suppose we would at least know how... Sincere Salash and Galos have been up to this point. But anyhow, we have to get out of wherever we are now first. So what's the plan then? And 
That's also me asking you guys, what's the plan? Do you want to just fast forward to, you said, 5 a.m.? Like, you yeah. want to just kind of do that? And you've you've kind of realized that things are different at night. So there might be some temptation to be like, I wonder what that weird horse-smelling stable is saying at nighttime. You guys have also mentioned in the past that you felt very early on in the day today like something was going on at the gatehouse. Have things changed there now that it's dark? There's rooms you haven't explored. The temptation is certainly there. So what is the plan? Is it... Fast forward to, what did we say? 5 a.m. is what you would need? Yep. For a full eight hours? Yep. Everyone except Tess, at least, right? That's a temptation, too. Our elf friend could potentially meditate for four hours and then just go off on your own for four hours. Yeah, so y'all don't have to come to the next, like, three D&D sessions. Just so... uh... Just me and Justin hanging out. It'll be a, it'll be a one shot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like five minutes, rocks fall from the ceiling. How you motherfuckers get in my house? <laughs> now, just to clarify, Colin, does a monk, or rather, sorry, does an elf, do you benefit from a long rest at that four hour mark? I believe so. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I think the all, answer is yes, yeah. but let's double check. Yeah. I th- the the hugest thing online is there's a little bit of back and forth that it's definitely comes down to DM. So fair enough. Okay. Uh, meditate deeply, remaining conscious for four hours a day. After resting in this way, you gain the same benefit that a human does from eight hours of sleep. There you go. I think yeah. Uh, well, I'm ruling the answer is yes. Then the yes after four hours test is fully rested. So I think. It's safe to assume that at the very least, we're going till one in the morning. Can I assume that? That would give Tess a four-hour window if she wanted to do anything. Four-hour trance and then... And then question mark. But can I assume the four-hour trance in the beginning? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to fast forward to 1 a.m., few hours of the debate continues on inside Slash's tiny hut. At 1 a.m., Tess kind of opens her eyes, breaks out of her trance. The rain is still falling steadily. The rest of your party, Tess, is kind of half asleep, you know, some of them deep in sleep. Van Richten snoring away. You can definitely... Occasionally see his closed eyes moving around, occasional scream in his sleep as he relives that nightmare over and over again. But at 1 a.m., I will give Tess the option of going out there into the world and to tempt you just a little bit more, Colin. After this long rest... You're all level seven. Oh! Oh! Later, bitches!